want to thank you for uh, those who are here, that you showed up, and uh, those who are at home. Thank you for, uh, you know, logging in and being with us. We've been going through a series about prayer, about being deep in prayer. And though we're ending it today, I don't think this is something that would end. God wants to grow us all the time to be deeper and deeper in a relationship with him. And prayer is not just what you say, words. It's, it's actually how your heart is directed to God. And I was preaching just a few Sundays ago about abiding, and that's from John 15, that Jesus said we are branches that are part of a vine. And prayer is like that, it's, it's that you are part, you belong, you abide in Jesus. And if you abide, you know what, you will be alive. And if you keep abiding and you surrender to the vine dresser who cleans the branch, who picks it up if it's under the dirt and the mud, and let it and wash it and, and let it be in the sun so it can breathe and that, then it can bear fruit. If you are part, then you are alive. But the main thing in that is that if you are part, this is then your identity. Your identity is not your own. Your identity is that you are a branch in the vine. And we're going to continue today. You can consider today like part two about how you can persist in a relationship with God. How, how can you resist, persist in prayer with God? And that's actually the work of the Holy Spirit, which we didn't touch a lot on last time because we had this time. Okay? We had in mind that we're going to say this time, right? So let's read together uh, that passage. I think it will come on the screens for you. And it is from 2 Corinthians 3 and verses 14 to 18. I'm reading from the King James Version. <clears throat> and it says this. But their minds, these were the Israelites, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, that's still the Old Testament, the Torah, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Everyone says liberty. liberty. Then he says, so how does that happen? But we all, with unveiled face, because we turn to the Lord, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'll give you a bit of uh, the backdrop story of this. You will find it in Exodus 34. And Moses went up to the mountain. He spent time before the Lord in his presence. God was talking to him. And uh, he came down. He didn't know, but his face was shining. Okay? 
His face was luminous. You find that in, in, in Exodus 34. And the people, the people of Israel, start being afraid of that. So he decided to put a veil. Actually, Paul in this chapter is telling us two reasons he put the veil. One is the people were afraid, but the other one, the, that glory, that luminescence, that uh, radiance was fading away. Okay, so he didn't want as well the people to see that, which is a funny thing if, if your face is shining, you know, like lit. Imagine that first night he came down, his face is lit up, you know, he goes into his tent, the lights are off, we're trying to sleep, and that tent is, you know, light everywhere, and everybody's saying, most probably his son's dad, can you please turn off the light? You know, that kind of thing, quite embarrassing, really. <clears throat> and he put a veil. He put a veil because they were afraid to look in that glory. Actually, this is not the first time the people of Israel, and we are just like them, were afraid from God's glory. In chapter 19, God was speaking to them from the mountain, and there were thunders and, and clouds and you know fire and all of that, and they said, oh, tell you what, Mo, you go and talk to God. You go and talk to him. We'll stay here. We're not going to come near. You know, you go and talk to him, and then you come to us and tell us. Do you see the separation that we put between ourselves and God? Because we're afraid. And it's right to be afraid. God is awesome, and God is holy. And God put a solution to that, and the solution is Jesus Christ. See, you and I are not holy enough to just approach God like that. You and I, we would die. I don't know how much you think of yourself that you're a good person, and I'm sure you are, at least compared to me. I'm sure you're a great person. But I'll tell you what, compared to the holiness of God, you're not. You're not. But God so loved us, so loved the world, that he sacrificed, he gave his only begotten son so that you and I would be adopted by the price that he paid, the blood of his only son, so that we can be with him forever. So that we can behold his glory forever. And we wouldn't die. Not just we wouldn't die. We behold his glory and we get transformed. We get transformed into the same image. The image of Christ. And he knows that you and I cannot change like that. Cannot be transformed like that. So he gave us his Holy Spirit. Not just to be with us. Not just to be over us, but to be in us so that we change from the inside out. In the beginning of this chapter, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and saying, you are a letter written by Christ, ministered by us or delivered by us, but the letter itself was written by him. And it's not written on a tablet of stone like the 
the Ten Commandments know it's, going, it's written on your hearts. That God himself, Jesus himself, would write his words, would write life on your heart and my heart. Because you can't. You can't change your heart. You can barely change your appearance. I mean with plastic surgery and so on. Even with the kind of woke and trendy culture now, you can believe that you're not you know, a man or a woman or a child or whatever. I don't know. You can say anything about yourself. Sure, have your way. But here is the thing. It doesn't change who you are. On cellular level, you haven't changed who you are. And when you're trying to change your heart, tell you what, you can't. You can change your appearance. I mean, ladies, you do that every day, don't you? Like the first thing is makeup. You know, and a miracle happens. Like those few things, and then all of a sudden, glory, radiance. Yeah? Here is the problem. Here comes the night. Then you have another cream. And you wipe that. And some of men kind of wake up in the middle of the. Ah! What happened? Okay, veil, veil, put the veil. We can't change our hearts. But he does. You want your heart changed? You want to really change from inside? You want to really have life, real life, from inside? Real peace, real joy? Real righteousness, real holiness. Jesus imputes to us. Doesn't just forgive our sins. He imputes to us his righteousness. Like you didn't have anything in the bank account. Not just you had it as empty. You were in the red by big margin. And then Jesus wipes your debt and then he gives you credit. He gives you credit to know the Lord. He gives you credit to be a child of God as he is the son of God. He gives you credit to become like him in how he loved the father, in how he honored the father, in how he lived victoriously. He gives you credit to be like him. And he does that through the Lord, the Spirit, his Spirit, him living in your heart and my heart. You see, life is not sustainable if you're trying to do it on your own. Even if you've met with Christ, I don't know, maybe some of you, you met with Christ and then you couldn't sustain this life anymore. You know, like you met him and there was some joy and then... I don't know where the joy is gone. It kind of faded a bit. I don't know how to sustain my life with Christ. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit would help you to live a sustained life in Christ and with him.
And that's the gift of God. So let's get into the two verses that I want to focus on. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And uh, this is one of those passages and one of those chapters that I, we can keep talking about them for most probably at least a week, day and night. And I'm going to just focus on three words so we can get somewhere here. First thing, behold. Behold is looking intently, looking attentively, really observing, thinking, really drowning in that what you are looking at. Like taking out everything from your focus and zooming in and just staying on that image that you're looking at and you are observing the colors, you're observing if it's a painting, the brush strokes, you're observing every detail. And then you're sitting back and you're reflecting on why did he do that? Why does it look like this? Why does he mean by that? And the principle of transformation that Paul is sharing with us is this, behold God's glory. Spend time to look attentively and in, intentionally into God's glory. Because if you see that, then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Because if you see that, you will see the hope that you have because Jesus made a way for you. Because if you see his glory, you will know how much he loves you. And he doesn't let go. And that all, all, all things are possible through Jesus Christ. Because he's victorious. And he's risen from the dead. And he's sitting on the right hand of the greatness of God. And he is interceding on your behalf and my behalf even now. Weakness. The enemy, death, any challenge in life, have no chance. No chance whatsoever. Beholding the glory of God. John Andrews uh, preached on meditating on the word of God. And I strongly recommend you to go if you haven't heard that. Or even if you've heard that, go and listen to it. Go and listen to it and practice it and listen to it and practice it. And this is how partly you get to behold. Beholding is very important. It's as well, there are conditions of how to behold. So he's saying, behold God's glory with unveiled face. And the veil, okay, veil is something that limits your vision. And sometimes... A veil is something that keeps you from seeing altogether. Like the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. You see, the old days sometimes you didn't have doors, you just had a veil. Okay? 
and you can't see anything if it's opaque. But as well, even if it's not opaque, if it's kind of transparent, translucent, kind of, you don't see clearly. You don't see very well. And the Lord is inviting us through his grace that we would behold his glory without our veil, without limitations, without things that we don't want to see or we cannot see, and without things that we are so afraid of that we want to hide. I can't come to the Lord because I'm, I'm not that good. Flash news. He knows. You know, hiding it or, or not going to him didn't really keep him from knowing. Yeah? And he's still gracious to you. And he's still giving you a chance to come to him. Come to him as you are because of Jesus' grace, because of his sacrifice, because of his cross and his resurrection. So we come and behold, we come with unveiled faces. And this thing about beholding his glory. You know, sometimes you go out with someone, Carl, my friend here, would say, oh, uh, we need time together or whatever. I miss you. And I'm thinking, wow. So he invites me out. Usually I pay anyway. He invites me out and then we're going for a coffee. And I'm thinking he misses me, so he's going to ask me about how I'm doing and really, you know, careful. So we go there and say, yeah, man, it's great to be with you. And then he keeps talking about himself. <laughs> so he talks, 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 until he finishes all what he needed to do and to ask and to know. And then he says, yeah, that's great. Uh, maybe you should head back to the church because I have work to do. And I'm thinking, Great. But God is not actually calling us to do that. God is calling us to come and behold his glory. Behold his glory. Look at him. Look at his beauty. Look at his love. Look at his victory. Not your weakness. We know your weakness. I know my weakness very well. Now I need to admit it to him. I need to see it in myself. I don't need to deceive myself. I don't need to hide. But as well, I don't need to stop there. Where I am, I need to look on who he is and what he's done. What he's done for you and for me. Behold his glory. Jesus said, when you're praying, you enter your closet, you close everything outside. Hopefully you're closing everything that you're thinking of and feeling as well outside. And you're emptying yourself from this by filling yourself with who he is. And this is how it gets. So veils. Veils could be cultural things, current cultural things, conventional things. You see that in the story of, of, of Israel with God. Could be your the things that you're used to, like your customs, your habits. Could be your circumstances. You're going through a really rough time. Someone is beloved, one is ill. And then it keeps you from seeing God as who He is. 
could be what you crave for, what you covet. What you crave for shapes you, and it becomes where your heart is. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is. So it keeps you from seeing him, it becomes your veil. It might be as well your confidence. What you build your confidence on. You know, sometimes we build our confidence on uh, a certain aspect of us or how people are looking at us. You know? We are in that culture. Like, if you don't get likes on your Facebook or your Twitter, how is your confidence? Yeah? Because your confidence comes from people liking you. And they can bring you up, and they can pull you down. This is why you start, you know, if you're doing something, you start asking people to really put that they like you, they like you, and, and to promote you, and to, you know. And that's because this is your confidence in getting somewhere. That's not what God has for you. Actually, in the beginning of that chapter, Paul is saying, do we commend ourselves anymore? Do we ask for a letter of commendations? No. So these are types of veils. There are more I'm not going to get into. I want to just focus very, very shortly with you at the process of transformation. That word transformation happens in the New Testament only three times. This is one, and another one is on the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus' form changed. Okay? And another one is uh, Romans 12, when Paul is saying, do not conform to the world. Conform is something from outside shaping you, but be transformed. And that's from the inside out. Transform here is the word that we get from metamorphosis. It's the same idea of that worm that turns into a butterfly. And this Holy Spirit helps us to die to self and to become what God has for us. Being transformed is from the inside out. It's beholding his glory. It's by the Holy Spirit. And Paul is writing, the Holy Spirit, the, the, for the Lord is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Lord. The Holy Spirit is not just a mere power to help you, to clap for you, to encourage you. No. He is a person of the Trinity. He has his thinking, his thoughts, and his will. And when you're going with him, he is Lord. You surrender. You obey. You obey. You surrender your thoughts, your convictions, your beliefs, what you say about yourself, what you say about life, how you are looking at things. You surrender that and you let him show you how to think, what to believe, your convictions, how to look at life, how to understand things, how to live. He is Lord. And he changes you from the inside out. He changes your heart. You remember you're a letter of Christ. You're a letter written by him through the Holy Spirit. He would write on your heart what would change you, what would shape you, what would give you 
sense and identity and meaning. Walking with God and persisting in walking with God and the relationship with him depends on that process of transformation. That he would be the one who is shaping you from the inside out. And that happens from glory to glory. And it's unfading glory. Actually, in that chapter as well, Paul is saying the new covenant has unfading glory. You get transformed from glory to glory. You get shaped. Yes, it's not all at once. But if you are walking with him, journeying with him, you get changed from the inside out. One thing. Let him reveal God to you. Let him show you what he has for you. And let him shape you and enable you to become and to be transformed into the image of the likeness of Jesus Christ, the glory of God, the exact representation of his glory. Let us pray. Please come as you are. If you have a challenge if, or even if you have a weakness that you know of, please don't try and hide it. Don't try to even justify it or give excuses to it. If you're not sure about yourself or you're not sure God would accept you or not, you're not sure about what, even what you believe in, come as you are. And just ask, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Holy Spirit, I want, to, I want to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Come as you are and allow him to transform you not from the outside, but from the inside. He's not a makeup artist. He's the creator. He creates in us a new heart. He takes away our heart of stone and gives us a new heart of flesh. He takes away death and gives in life. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have hold on us, help us. Please with me at home, pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would transform you, would transform your hearts, your thinking, your attitudes. that your spirit would yield to him.